Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. Welcome. If you're here for the first time or you're newer here, let me just add my welcome to the one that's already been given. If you want to take out the worship folder that you got when you came in, there's a place you could take notes during this talk. You can, uh, there's like a connect card in there. You can feel free to fill that out. That is, that is not an invitation for us to come pester you at your house this week. That is literally just a way for us to communicate with each other. So if you've got things you're interested in receiving information about or if you have something you'd like the church to pray about, that's the place to put that. When the offering is collected later, you can just drop that connect card in there. And like I said, I'm glad you're here. If you want to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in Matthew chapter 26. If you've got a, a smartphone and you want to follow along in the, the Version Bible app, you can do that as well. Under live events, just search for connection and you'll find us. So uh, just thinking about how it's probably always been this way. But it doesn't seem like our culture more than ever celebrates failure. And by celebrate failure, here's what I mean. You see someone else doing something really stupid and you pull out your smartphone or your camera and you video it or you take a picture and then upload it to the internet for the whole world to see. We celebrate someone else's epic fail. Kind of like this. Um, I'm pretty sure that this, this driver of this truck was just ecstatic to have this shared with the whole world. You know, I'm sure his boss was ecstatic too. Or I'm sure this person who got to Walmart and said, there's nowhere to park, I'll just park here, and I'll just go in and get two things and come back out. That's <laughs> awesome. And I'm so thankful somebody shared that with the world. And, and this, I don't know if you saw this last week, I sure hope this FedEx driver still has his job. Have you seen this? <laughs> Poor guy. At least the dogs were excited for him, right? <laughs> We talk about an epic fail, man. Like I said, I hope the guy still has his job. I've heard that one of the core values around here is that we accept each other. So we're probably not likely to upload a video like that of each other doing an epic fail. But, um, you know, I, just, I think this is probably a safe place to ask a few questions. Do you mind to indulge me? Now, I want you to raise your hand if any of these things apply to you. But don't raise your hand as I read them. Wait till I'm done with the whole list. Let's just see if anybody else here... Um, lives life like I do, okay? So again, don't raise your hand until we're done here. Has anybody here flunked a class? Don't raise your hand until I'm done. How about bombed the test at least? Have you done that? Have you ever maybe um, got cut from a team? Did you get cut from the team? Did you blow an audition? Did you ever get turned down when you asked somebody out on a date? Ouch. How about this? Do you ever maybe uh, zone out during a job interview? That's really smart, right? Did you ever get bombed and wasted one weekend, uh, one whole season of your life? Did you ever uh, get fired for a little screw-up, or maybe it was a major mishap? <laughs> Did you ever maybe uh, have a business that didn't go the way you thought it would? Not done yet. Do you ever maybe fail in, in the area of morally, or maybe have you ever failed socially, or athletically, or academically, or spiritually, or financially, or maritally, or vocationally? If any of these things that I've said so far apply to anybody, what a bunch of losers. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I've even said this before. This is a place where we accept each other. We accept each other while we're changing. We accept each other while we grow. We accept each other while we fail. And here's the thing. No matter how good you all look, and you all look good, by the way, no matter how good you look at everybody else and you think everybody else here has got it all together, I'm the only person who's ever failed. Just believe me when I say this, we all look good on the outside, but we've all failed. When you walk in here and you go, like, they've all got it together, if they knew what I, you know, believe me, everybody has told me that same thing. So each one of you have said, I'm the only person here who's messed up and got problems or ever failed. All of us, we, we don't admit that. 
It's like uh, Gene Apple once said. He, te- he said, we tend to flaunt our successes and we hide our failures. And everybody does that. We don't want to be, we're not necessarily proud of our failures, but we flaunt our successes, we hide our failures. All of us have failed. Some of us keep those failures stuffed away. And if you could just imagine like a suitcase full of all the things you've ever done, things that people know about, things that people don't know about, you carry those around, all those failures, and uh, along with a huge load of guilt and shame. And it doesn't make sense, but so many people do this. They let themselves be defined by their past instead of their future. And so they carry that all around. Today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, as we look forward to Easter, I just wonder if there's anybody here today who you just kind of feel like a failure. In some area of your life, you just don't feel like you're measuring up. Maybe you feel like you're just running on fumes. You just, you just need a little bit of hope. If, if that's you and if that's your story, I'm glad you're here today. You are in the right place because I've got some really good news for you today if you feel like a failure. I love what Pastor Mike Bro wrote. He said, the Bible is a book of epic failures. There are so many people in the Bible who are just like you and me, who know what it's like to fail. He said, there are people who failed miserably. There's courageous people who lacked courage, and there are people who wilted under stress, and strong people who were in reality very weak, and there are people in the Bible who were thought of as faithful, and yes, th- but yet they were less than faithful. There's people who got caught in the spin cycle of adultery, and of uh, addictions, and of all kinds of things. There are people who wrecked their relationships. There are people who cheated on their families, There's people in the Bible who used their friends. There are people in the Bible who abandoned their friends. There are people who really, really disappointed God. I mean, you think of the Bible and you think like everybody in the Bible was all, no, they're people just like us. There are people who were washed up and they thought that they're never coming back from the things they had done. That's the experience of the people in the Bible. I love the Bible for being so honest (laughs) with people's stories the way that it is. Wherever you are spiritually speaking today, as I said, I'm glad you're here. And what I want to do is I want us to go to a person in the Bible who is held up as an example of somebody we would want to follow. And yet it's somebody who honestly experienced a great deal of failure. And we're going to look at the life of Peter. I told you we're going to be in Matthew 26. So if you want to go ahead and look at that. I want us to just walk along Peter in a time in his life that he probably wished he could forget. A time in his life that he deeply regretted a time when he really knew what it was like to fail. So we're going to look here. It starts here in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31. This is the night before Jesus was crucified. And he's meeting one last time with his closest disciples, and he told his closest disciples, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it's written, and he goes on and quotes something from the Old Testament, an old prophecy. It says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But Jesus goes on and tells him, but after I've risen... I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. (laughs) I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, hey, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. I know there's a lot of guys in that room that night, but I want you just to focus on Peter. Everything we know about this professional fisherman suggests he's a strong guy. He's big, he's strapping, he's got big muscles, barrel-chested, just ripped. You know, in other words, just picture me in like a a toga and sandals, right? He's a big guy. He's physically strong. He's also, personality-wise, he's impetuous, he's feisty. He had 
no problem sharing his opinion. And he had an opinion on everything. And he would tell you what he thought. He was just that kind of an outspoken guy. Big and just everybody followed him as a leader. He didn't hesitate just to tell you what he thought. In fact, there's this time, another time before this, that Jesus gathered his disciples together and he said, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And the disciples kind of said, well, here's what we're hearing. Some people think you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. And then he goes, okay, guys, who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, no surprise here, is the first one to jump in. He doesn't take an opinion poll of what people are thinking. He doesn't look around and see what the other guys are thinking. He just says, you're the Christ. You are the son of God. And Jesus goes, boy, that's my guy. You know God revealed that to you, but that's exactly right. I am the Christ, and I will build my church on that confession you have made, Peter. And then Jesus does this interesting thing. He says, you know, your name is Cephas, but I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a nickname. I'm going to call you Petros. He makes a polite wordplay on his name. You're the rock, the original Rocky right here in the Bible. Jesus changes his name to the rock, Peter. And I'm going to build my church on your confession. Now, he's just a, a, a strong guy, and you may be kind of thinking, well, why are you making such a big deal about Peter? I and mean, there were other guys in that room that night. Why focus on him? It's for this simple reason. Sometimes, just like Peter, we can feel spiritually invincible. I mean, he's the first person to say, Lord, I will not deny you. I will not fall away. I will never drive into that ditch. I will never abandon you. These other guys might. I mean, I look around this room, and honestly, Jesus, I see some guys who could abandon you, really, but not me. Remember, you, you name me the rock. The rock does not abandon Jesus. The rock does not go off in that spiritual ditch. The rock is going to be there for you. Everybody else may abandon you, but I will not. And all the other guys said the same thing. They're not, like, leaving them hanging. They're like, no, we won't deny you either, Jesus. We won't abandon you. You ever been there, ever done that? Ever let your mouth go and then later you regret everything you said because everything you said you wouldn't do, you did, or the things you said you would do, you didn't do? This happens, right? Here's the, the, the takeaway I get to this. And that's, I think, honestly, it's the problem with strong people or at least the areas that you are strong in in your life. The problem with strong people is that we tend to be ignorant of our weaknesses. We don't pay attention enough to the things that we are weak in. Here's the bottom line. Everyone is capable of failing. You know, last week I said we were looking at John the Baptist. Everyone, even deeply devoted people, are capable of having doubt. Even deeply devoted, devout Christians are capable of failing. You see this with, with Peter. And he's trusting his strength and he's ignoring his weaknesses. And his words are just dripping with pride. I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I'm, I'm there for you. I'm here to the death. Now, these words hadn't been written yet. It, but it may be that when the Apostle Paul wrote these words that we're about to look at a few years later, he may have been thinking about Peter's experience. When Paul wrote this to his friends in Corinth, this is 1 Corinthians, and he said, listen, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. I love the message paraphrase of this. I think it's actually written in your worship folder. The message says, don't be so naive. Don't be so self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face just as easily as anyone else. Forget about your self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. And that's the thing I think Peter was missing and that we can miss. If you think that you are so spiritually strong that you would never fail that way. I mean, other people may fail that way, but I will never do that. I mean, I know I may do this and this, and this but I will never do that. When you think this is an area where you are invincible and invulnerable, 
you are at your most vulnerable at that very moment because that pride is making you susceptible to failure. If you think, I will never break my marriage vows, I will never lack integrity, I will never disappoint my kids, I will never lie to my parents, I will never get addicted to that, I will never fail, I will never take a spiritual nosedive. What that verse is saying to you is that you are in more danger than the person who knows all of those things are possible for them. It's a very dangerous place to be in when you say, I am so spiritually strong that I could never fail. Because the truth is, all of us can fail. Please listen to this. There's no one in this room, none of us, me included, that is uh, not in danger of drifting away from God. We're all capable of failing in one way or another. I think we can all say, I have failed in some way or another. It's a very important lesson to keep in mind. You are spiritually susceptible. I am spiritually susceptible. We all need to remember that. Everybody's capable of failing. I appreciate what Steve Norman wrote. He said, failure is unavoidable. You're going to fail. You will fail your family, your church, your Christ, yourself. You're going to fail. The only question is when, how, how badly, and maybe most important of all, how will you respond when you fail? <laughs> I, I think that's what makes the Titanic one of the most staggering failures in history. Remember the Titanic, the unsinkable ship, the visionaries, the creators, the engineers, the shipbuilders, they all said the same thing. What did they say about the Titanic? It's unsinkable. It will never go down. The, the, we've built a ship that just will always go. It will always float. Um, as the passengers on that maiden voyage were loading up, one passenger, Mrs. Albert Caldwell, asked one of the deckhands, is this ship really unsinkable? He said, Lady God himself couldn't even sink this ship. <laughs> right, you know what happened. It's actually been 102 years ago, two days from now. On Tuesday, it will be 102 years ago, on April 15th at 2 in the morning, when the Titanic went down in the North Atlantic and took 1,500 people, 1,500 souls with it. The unsinkable ship? Really? The most staggering failures in life are the ones that you never saw coming. The most staggering failures in life are the ones that you thought would never happen to the unsinkable you. I'm guessing you probably can guess how the rest of this account goes, even if you've never heard this story before. <laughs> Jesus said it would happen. It happened just as he said. Peter made the boast, even if I'll fall away. I never will. I'm here with you, Jesus. I got your back. It's just a few hours later, Jesus was arrested in a garden. They took him to a palace, a house for a trial, a series of unjust trials. Jesus kind of followed from a distance. And we pick this up in chapter 26 and verse 69. It said, after Jesus was arrested, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard where Jesus was on trial. And a servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, <laughs> surely you're one of them for your accent gives you away. Then Peter began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken. Luke gives us a detail that Matthew leaves out here. It says, when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and made eye contact with Peter. How would you like to be on the receiving end of that look? 
How would you like to look through the, the smoky haze of that courtyard and see Jesus just at the moment the rooster is crowing and you're remembering Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And you know you've just done it. I got to believe that's a look you're going to have a hard time getting out of your head. That might be a look that would haunt you for a long time. Do you know what Peter, the unsinkable Peter, the I will never deny you, these guys might, but I won't. you know what he did after that? He ran out and he collapsed and he wept bitterly. This you know, bulk of a man, the rock, the rock will never deny you, Jesus. He's not courageous anymore. He's not proud anymore. He's not outspoken. He's not committed. He's not faithful. He's not useful to God. He's not even close to being the kind of friend who would die for you. Anybody here identify with that? You ever just failed so bad you just think, I am never coming back from this. <laughs> I mean, there's just no cure for what I've done. You ever thought that? I have a feeling that all of us here today can identify with Peter's experience more than we would ever care to admit. But here's the good news, because this account does not stop here. See, here's what happened next. Jesus is so much greater than our failures. If, if you're in your Bible and you're in Matthew, just turn over a few pages to, to John, the Gospel of John, the end of it, chapter 21. They're back in Galilee. I don't know that they remember Jesus said, I'll meet you up in Galilee up north, but that's where they're at. They're on the Sea of Tiberias, Peter and his brother and John and James. They're out in a boat fishing on the Sea of Tiberias. It's the Sea of Galilee. They've been fishing all night, haven't caught a thing. But they've gone back to doing what they were doing before Jesus invited them to follow him three years before. They're back fishing. They've been fishing all night, and as they're floating there, I just, in my mind, I see Peter just reflecting on what he did that night that he denied Christ. And I could, in his mind, maybe I see him remembering what it looked like to have Jesus turn and look at him. And his guilt and his shame, it's, it's like an ulcer just eating away at him. And he's playing it over in his mind. I picture him maybe saying something like, what kind of a man does that? Abandon his friend in a time. What kind of a friend does that? Right? And he's sitting there fishing and they're floating along. Well, the sun is starting to come up. And through the dim light, they see a figure standing on shore, maybe 100 yards to the shore from where they're out floating in the water fishing. And the voice calls out, hey, you guys catch anything? No, not caught anything all night. Why don't you try throwing your nets on the other side of the boat? Because they're, they're getting ready to close up shop. And, you know, they say, okay, what can it hurt? They throw their nets on the other side of the boat, and as they start to pull the nets back in, the nets are so full of fish, the fish they haven't caught all night, that the nets start breaking. John yells out, it's the Lord. And in that moment, Peter recognizes it's Jesus. You know, the Jesus who died and who's alive. And Peter knew Jesus was alive, but I don't know that he ever expected to see Jesus again. And when John said it's the Lord, Peter just like impetuously again, just like makes a cannonball into the water, starts swimming for shore. I think what he's thinking is I am done feeling guilty and feeling ashamed, and I just wanna, I want things to be better. I, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like a failure. Can you imagine Peter making his way up to the beach Standing in front of Jesus, maybe making eye contact, maybe not, dripping wet on the sand. There's a couple of things that Jesus could have done but did not do. He did not look at Peter and scold him, and he did not say, how dare you stand? I told you you would deny me. I told you you would abandon me, and you did, and you said you wouldn't. I don't ever want to talk to you again. Get out of here. Jesus didn't say that. He also didn't ignore Peter and give him the cold shoulder. 
this, how Jesus did respond, is, I, I can't overstate it. It's like why he's the greatest person I think has ever lived. He's like why he's the best friend I've ever had. Instead of scolding Jesus, instead of scolding the other disciples, he simply says, you guys hungry? I've started a fire here. I've got some fish and bread. You guys want to eat breakfast with me? Come, let's have breakfast. What kind of grace is there in a man who looks to his friends who've denied him and abandoned him and invites them to breakfast anyway? What kind of a person does that? The kind of person who meets us on the other side of our failures. And here's what Jesus did for Peter that day. He goes on and he has a conversation with Peter. And what he does is he says, look, I know you've given up on yourself and I know that you failed me. But listen, I'm going to restore you to that leadership position because I still believe in you. And that's what Jesus did. He, he looked at Peter and he gave an opportunity to to repent of what he had done and apologized in their own way in this conversation that they had on that beach that morning. And he was reinstated. He went on to serve God. The colossal failure became one of the greatest men who ever existed. He's one of the greatest difference makers in human history. The world will never forget the apostle Peter. He's the guy who preached the first sermon that launched the church. He's the first guy who got to preach the gospel message and he saw 3,000 people be baptized that day. Peter, the guy who denied Christ, is the guy that God still was able to use because Jesus meets him on the other side of his failure. And he does the same thing today. It's 2,000 years later. Jesus still does that with us. Jesus still meets us on the other side of our failures if we're willing to go to him. I know some of you, maybe all of us, have colossal failures in our past, and you think there's no way God could ever use you again after what you've done. That's not true. I think God may have brought you here on Palm Sunday so that you could hear from him. God may have brought you here because you're thinking, there's nothing God could do with me anymore. You may have given up on God, but God has not given up on you. And I think maybe that you need to understand that what God did for Peter, what Jesus did for him is something he will do for you. If you will get honest about your sin, if you will turn to Jesus if you will ask for his help, if you will admit that you are wrong, what you'll find is he is so gracious and so compassionate and so kind, and he can do amazing things with your life. And your failure does not have to define the rest of your life. In fact, I think as we learn from Peter, the thing that he would say to us is, just do what Peter did. Swim away from your failure, swim away from your sin, and turn toward Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 28, this is a really good verse in the Bible, you can't whitewash your sin and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting it and leaving your sins. You just say the very powerful words, three simple words, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong, God. I want to come back. Again, one of my favorite pastors, Mike Bro, I love him. He was uh, talking about a time that he and his wife were watching their five-year-old granddaughter at their house. He said, I was in the kitchen, Mike said, and I wasn't really paying attention. My granddaughter came in and got scissors out of the kitchen, and I should have asked her why, but he didn't. <laughs> he said he finally, he's calling out to her, found her later. She was in the living room with her head under a pillow, under like the cushion of the sofa, and he said, Where are you, what are you doing? Remember, she's five years old. She pulls her head out, and she's decided to cut her own hair. So <laughs> one side of her hair is like six inches higher than the other, and she looks at him, and he's looking at her, and he's trying not to laugh. And she goes, it's okay, Papa. Everyone makes mistakes. Now, you got to understand, Mike Bro is completely bald, shaves his head. He says, yeah, I know everybody makes mistakes. Look what Papa did. <laughs> you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody fails. I mean, that's not the question. Will you fail? Yeah, you will. The question is, what do you do after you fail? 
where do you go after you fail? Do you let shame and sin and guilt keep you away from God? Do you buy into the mistaken idea that he has not, no desire to be with you ever again? Or do you turn back to him? We all make mistakes, but there's a second chance when we come back to God just admit, I was wrong. You know, the Bible says in 1 John that if we uh, claim to be without sin, we just deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just and he will, he will cleanse us from, forgive us of our sins and purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, this is love. It's, it's not that I love God, it's that lo- God loves me first and that he loves me in spite of me. And maybe the message you need to hear this morning is that despite your sin and despite your failure, you are a much-loved son of God. You are a much-loved daughter of God. And it doesn't really matter what you've done as much as what you do from here forward. You know, sometimes we start thinking wrong when we've done wrong. And you start thinking, you know, the last place I should ever be is in church, considering who I am and what I've done, which is just about as smart as saying, as sick as I am, I should never go to a hospital. The church is for sick people. It's for people who failed. If, if only pe- perfect people can get into the church, the only people who are going to be here are no one <laughs> or hypocrites who are just pretending to be perfect. No, you need to be here. And you might say, well, nobody will accept me. And I would just tell you that's what you think. Why don't you just come and find out the truth and keep coming back and understand that God offers a second chance. Don't be too embarrassed. Don't be too ashamed. Just understand that today could be a turning point for you. God has loved you with a love that will never let go. And you may turn to selfish things and you may push the boundaries with him and do all kinds of things that you later regret. Just understand that the best, the smartest thing you can do is to turn back to him. You know, this Palm Sunday leading into Easter could be a turning point in your life. Maybe today is the day that you need to return to God. Maybe today is the day that you need to turn to Jesus for the first time and just say, I want you to be the leader of my life my Lord, my Savior, to forgive my sins. Maybe today is the day that you need to say, I want to go all in, be baptized in water, and give my life to God. Your failure in God's hands does not have to be final. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that you've brought us here together today. And this is a place where I I just love to be with this church family because I've seen so many of us growing and changing, and I've seen you at work in our lives, and I'm just thankful for how I've seen that happen. I'm thankful that this is a place where we do accept each other and we accept new people and it doesn't matter where we've come from. We are all on equal ground at at your cross, at the cross of Jesus. I pray that today you would just open our hearts to you, that we would say yes to the love that you have for us. I'm so thankful for the day that Jesus died for us and the day that he rose again because that changed everything. And so thank you for taking away our sin and our guilt, and we just turn to you, and we admit readily we're wrong, but we want your, your forgiveness, and we ask for that. Please, Father, make today a day where people walk out of here and, and are, are changed. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.